0: Welcome to The Room Block and enjoy your stay. This episode is brought to you by JTS Connect, offering host, MC, and moderation services for live or virtual events, as well as podcast hosting and consultation. Please email me at jtsalerno at gmail.com or visit me on LinkedIn to learn more greetings room Black podcast listeners thanks so much for joining me for another episode of the podcast where hospitality and event professionals meet have you ever noticed that if you stick around long enough and pay enough attention you can see how the various life experiences we have or circumstances we find ourselves in contribute to a much bigger picture I have witnessed this time and time again and absolutely love seeing how my past chapters connect to the present. It feels like finding that missing puzzle piece or evidence that there actually is a grand plan. I started this season of the podcast off by talking about the period of rest I took last year. Now that I am in a period of momentum that feels like a runaway train, I understand why that rest was so necessary. Or perhaps how that rest contributed to this momentum. Regardless, one cycle has completed, another has started, and you can bet that I'll be watching out for the signs of how and where they'll intersect once again in the future. I enjoy seeing evidence of this with other people's lives, too. Listening to my guest from this episode tell his story, I was truly struck by how his unique past has contributed to what he does today. Jeff Civilico recently celebrated a 10-year run on the Las Vegas Strip as a headliner with Caesars Entertainment performing his family-friendly show, Comedy in Action. Jeff now takes his renowned brand of comedy to live, virtual, and hybrid events and conferences globally where he serves as an event MC and keynote speaker for major corporations, associations, and nonprofit organizations. When Jeff is not on stage or on camera, he is working on the continued expansion of his national nonprofit, Win-Win Entertainment, which arranges in-person and virtual visits from performers, athletes, and celebrities to children in hospitals all over the country. In this episode, you will hear how Jeff's early experiences, lessons, and struggles evolved into what are now his biggest strengths. These skills make him stand out as an entertainer and enable him to be a true partner to the meeting professionals and event venues he works with. And no, no, I'm not talking about juggling or unicycle riding, although those are some pretty sweet skills. I'm talking about the ability to perform under pressure, produce to perfection, and engage an audience alongside a willingness to work really hard. I mean, if you're listening right now, this sounds pretty familiar, am I right? If so, stick around to find out how Jeff Civilico strives to bring people together through the art of entertainment. Jeff Civilico, I have to say that I think you are the most famous guest that I've had on the Room Block podcast so far.
1: <laughs> I will take it, baby. All did right.
0: You, did you know you have a... A semi-robust Wikipedia page.
1: <laughs> I I did know that. Yes, I'm uh, sure
0: you've Googled yourself <laughs> and found that out.
1: Yes, it, it's funny when you read those because um, it, it's pretty accurate. I'll be honest; it's pretty accurate. There's there's a couple things I'm like, eh, that's not really not really true, but uh, but yeah, I was I was honored and, and very uh, happy to to see that. It's kind of funny people people will bring that up. They'll be like, dude, you have a Wikipedia page. You made it. <laughs>
0: We all, now uh, we all know how old you are and <laughs> yeah
1: exactly
0: and your life story but um yes it's a pleasure to have you on the room Black podcast today thank you so much for joining me you are described as a host personality and a las vegas headliner and a philanthropist that is quite a range of of activities there so i really would love to know and you know My job on this show is to relate my guests to the overall events and hospitality industry. And, you know, you are an interesting subset of that because Mm. you are you've performed in entertaining and you now work with corporate events and also your involvement with philanthropy. I mean, there's just it's very interesting. So let's go. I'd love to just kind of start at the beginning real quick and just find out exactly how did you get to where you are take us take me back to a little bit of an origin story
1: sure well thank you for having me Janet it's a pleasure to be on the podcast i love what you're doing with the podcast i think it's really valuable i think there's so much great information, so many great conversations you can have with you. I've never been on a podcast that really has the, the angle that, that you have, um, talking, you know, with and meeting planners and about hospitality and events in the industry. And that's really cool. So um, I applaud what you're doing. And I am honored to be here with you. Thank you. So, my origin story, that makes me sound like a superhero. Uh,
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> I you <understand>. are, obviously.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, my, my superhero story, I guess, began doing juggling shows in my kitchen. So um, I, I was uh, always an entertainer as a kid. It all started for me with entertainment, and still I bring entertainment to what I do, whether that's straight up as an entertainer or more of a host personality sprinkling in entertainment throughout an award show or a multi-day conference or as a keynote speaker using the entertainment to grab people, draw people in, make my points, uh, or as you mentioned, as a philanthropist with uh, my work with my nonprofit win-win entertainment. At the end of the day, it's all about smiles, joy, making people feel a little better when they walk out than they did when they walk in. Um, I love bringing that light and and life and happiness and joy to to people, whether it's a, a child in a hospital room for my, for my my nonprofit work, or whether it's ten thousand people at an arena at a big corporate event on, on stage, that that uh, fuels me. It definitely keeps me going. That uh, the the smiles, the laughs, the the applause. I am an entertainer at heart for sure. So, I guess talk about origin story. I was picked to be a volunteer by a street performer when my family was visiting my oldest brother Gene, who went to Harvard. And that street performer chose me to be a volunteer. Um, I was about 10 years old. I did a little routine with spinning plates. And that really changed my life because that was the first time that I was up in front of an audience with the lights and the sound and the rush of the crowd. And I felt that even at that young age, I felt that magical moment being on stage, that feeling. I was like, "Ooh, I want more of this. This is this is really cool. This is really special. Yeah. And, I, and uh, so... At first, I just I wanted to be like the guy who picked me to be the volunteer. He was a juggler. He he juggled, you know, bowling pins and um, spinning plates and rings and, and all these different props. And for many many years, I was simply modeling myself after this street performer named Peter Panic, uh, just doing juggling shows, learning how to juggle. After I would do my homework and I would practice juggling balls, clubs, rings. I learned to ride unicycles. Uh, My parents would buy me, you know, every every, uh, birthday and and Christmas growing up from when I was 10, you know, on, I would receive some sort of juggling prop, whether it was like devil (laughs) sticks, Diablos, you know, uh, cigar boxes, all these different tools. And uh, I just was obsessed with it, really. I, I was obsessed with juggling and I look back at it now and I realize it kind of made sense because I was really into sports as well as arts growing up. I played basketball, baseball, soccer, but I also sang and I played musical instruments and I liked being on stage and drama and juggling was kind of the perfect combination of sport and art because you had to yeah. be coordination, coordinated to do it right. It, it was clearly you required a high level of high and high coordination. The sports did, but it also gave you more creative expression as an artist to be able to share your creations and, and what you were doing with people. And then that's where I really fell in love with performing. I would do shows in my kitchen growing up. I'd do shows around the block and shows at school. And I just love that feeling of being able to connect with an audience and take them on a ride, make them laugh, you know, move them, get them involved in the show. And for the next, you know, decade plus, that's what I that's what I spent my time doing shows at theme parks, cruise ships, um, Disney World, and eventually out, out to Las Vegas.
0: Oh, my gosh. Well, so how how does one even get those kind of jobs? Like, do you <laughs> how do you like interview to be a performer somewhere?
1: So, I, I mean, it's similar to, to anything else, you it's kind of that catch 22 that people want to hire someone with experience. And how do you get experience until you get hired? Right. So you kind of just have to do it. You kind of have to fake it till you make it act as if all the, all the things we hear, right. It's it's no different with performing. I, I, I would do a lot of free shows for, for sure. I did a ton of free shows because I just loved performing. And at, at that point, especially as a kid, you're not thinking about making money. You're not thinking about earning an income or this being a livelihood, you're doing it purely out of the passion uh, for for loving it. Right? So think about it as like high school sports or, or something, right? As opposed to pro you're doing it because you just, you love the game. And so I used to perform anywhere and everywhere I could every opportunity I had, whether it was a tot lot or a local school, something in my neighborhood, a Cub Scout banquet, uh, you know, a block party, a parade. And I, this was pre-social media and everything, right? But right, word, of mouth, right. word of mouth travel. So I just, I was always juggling, always performing, trying to get in front of people. I was doing talent shows at school, you know, show and tell uh, things, summer camps. Um, and uh, one thing led to another. And I guess the first really kind of May I call it a, a real job that I had uh, juggling was as a street performer at the Inner Harbor at Baltimore, that I had I had heard that there were street performers there, and it was pretty organized, you had to audition, they had a schedule, you had blocks of time, and so I auditioned oh. to be a street performer, I was 15 years old, and I oh was goodness. accepted. And when you're 15 years old at the inner Harbor and you're first getting these jobs, they give you the worst time spots because the people who have been there for years have earned the really good time spots. Right. So right. I was on at like 10 AM on a Tuesday at the <laughs> inner Harbor when there was no one there. Um, and it was pretty tough, but again, I was an actual paid street, you know, street performer, paid in tips. I just <laughs> paid with quotes. Um, and and I would make tips based on you know passing the hat and, and doing shows. Uh, that was my first real gig as a performer. From then, I worked at Bush Gardens in Williamsburg as an actual performer, um, a strolling juggling performer doing shows. And that was kind of to your to your point, like. There was an audition process. They were looking for jugglers, right? They were looking for stilt walkers, comedians, ventriloquists, magicians, right? There was a whole cast that they were looking for. And I auditioned for the juggler spot. I got the spot and I learned very quickly, they didn't actually want a juggler. They wanted a performer who knew how to juggle. Very
0: different. Oh, okay. Interesting.
1: Very different. And I learned on the job very quickly that people, and this sounds harsh, but it, I don't mean it to be, people don't care about juggling. They want, they care about being entertained. They care about laughing, connecting, right? If you're just standing there juggling, people are might you know, walk by, stop for three seconds, especially now they could Google it, YouTube it, like the best juggling in the world. They could see they, they, sure. they, they want to be entertained. They want an experience. So I learned on the job, Ooh, I need to get people involved. I need to pull somebody in. Let me have this person help Oh, they laughed when this messed up let me try to create that situation again let me pull in the, the child now that creates a different element now i've got the child and the adult on stage right now let me add a partner i'm doing something with a partner that adds more opportunities for comedy for engagement so over the course of two summers i worked there when i was 16 and 17 i learned a lot about performing i did six shows a day six days a week out in the hot williamsburg sun if you've ever been to uh virginia I mean, in August, like, brutal. I mean, I was just absolutely drenched. Uh, We were doing shows outside, just walking around the park in little areas, trying to pull people together and make them stop and and watch a show when they want to go ride the Big Bad Wolf or they want to go get a funnel cake or they want to go inside to see the 3D show where it's cool. We had to make them stop and watch us. So I I never would trade it. I mean, I learned so much over those summers. Uh, But from then, I went on to cruise ships. Performed uh, a lot on cruise ships and then just turboing through here. Ended up in, in Orlando doing a lot of work with Disney. A lot of corporate events as well. That's really when I was exposed to corporate market mm. in Orlando. Um, and eventually came out to Vegas and then have been here for the last uh, 10 plus years.
0: First of all, I just want to say I I love the fact that you just went through that whole Busch Garden story because it's like layering in what how you learned to engage an audience and the importance of bringing people in and connecting people and i mean that's clearly what has helped you so much through your career and brought you to Mm -hmm. the success you've had today but aside from that vegas was ultimately where you wanted to end up right you said that was like kind of your your dream was to get to vegas and why is that what was what was behind that
1: well you know i think it's a really powerful testament to the brand that vegas has even as a kid i'm 10 years old doing shows in my kitchen i'm thinking i gotta get to vegas man like (laughs) You know if i i gotta i gotta be somebody i gotta get my my name on the strip like that's pretty powerful i mean worldwide brands iconic brands the sure. flamingo i had my show at the flamingo for years the, i mean you're on an airplane flying to singapore the guy next to you has heard of the flamingo right oh what do right. you do I'm a headliner at the flamingo they're like oh wow like you must be good there's it's that kind of seal and even at that age i knew as a performer Again, watching VHS tapes of these acts like Siegfried and Roy, or you know Lance Burton, or you know, or uh, different performers that that they had shows in Vegas, right? They they performed in Vegas, so that was always the the dream. It was always a, a part of of the dream, and uh, so fortunate to be able to actualize that dream. My mid twenties, I decided to pack it all up and uh, head head west and, and go for it.
0: Okay, that's amazing. I can't even imagine what it would have felt like to get out there and be like, okay, like, here I am, really relatively early on. So Mm -hmm. that's very cool. But so tell us about what you did there in Vegas. I mean, I so I mean, you were headlining, but so what kind of shows?
1: Yeah, well, and I think it's important to talk about timing, right? Because timing is so important because I, I knew Vegas was the goal, but I didn't want to go there too early because I wanted to hone my skills. I wanted to really develop my voice as a performer, my brand. And I, I knew I wasn't ready. I had the self-awareness to know that I was pretty raw, was pretty green. Like there were some things that were working, but I hadn't really, I hadn't really built a show that was worthy of of Vegas, Uh, and, and again, if I had gone there too late, I don't know if I would have, I say this out of love. I don't know if I would have put up with all of the stuff. I'll say the word stuff that I had to put (laughs) up with to not just get a Vegas show, but also make a Vegas show successful, which is a whole nother podcast, but let's just say (laughs) it's a lot of work. And it's a lot of work that people don't realize. It's not like, oh yeah, you. it's a lot of work. You gotta be the best performer ever. <laughs> Nothing to do with on stage. It's a lot of work like hustling. You know, building relationships, uh, talking to ticket brokers, um, call centers, charity events, radio spots, business sense, understanding ticketing, understanding the concierge community, understanding the broker, the Mm -hmm. ticket broker system, agent commissions, like deals with, with other shows with their partners, understanding the players, the politics, like there's a lot. There's a lot there. So yes, you have to be good on stage. You have to deliver a great product, but if you're producing the show yourself, like, like I was right, that was, that was the goal. I I wanted to be in charge. I wanted to produce my own show. I didn't want to hand it over to somebody else. Mm -hmm. There's a lot more there. So I think, again, I was young enough that I was okay walking the strip like 12 hours a day handing out rack cards and Jolly Ranchers and snapping selfies with ticket agents and plugging my show. If I had reached uh, probably like a little higher level of success earlier in my career, I might've thought to myself, ah, like I'm, you know, I don't need to be doing that. Or like, oh, I felt like I'm too good for that. Or I'm too big for that. So, so it was kind of that sweet spot where I was like hungry enough and had, the energy to make it happen and make my dreams come true and hustle, 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 but also established enough and experienced enough as a performer that I could deliver the goods and and bring a quality show to market that people would say, Oh, wow, this is unique. This is memorable. This is impactful. It's, it's fun. Like we like this guy. We like this show.
0: You know, what a sweet spot, because like you said, you like had a crash course in how to market, how to, You know how to promote yourself how to sell i mean like that is again another layer in to what has made you successful today and you know i want to think about this as we go on with our conversation all these different ingredients that kind of you have that make up why you're so good at what you do and what you can bring to say the event community because of these different skills that you're talking about you know you, you just you don't have those you don't just you're not just born with them right I mean it's like this crazy experience that I mean it, to somebody else it's like wow like that's all like a lot of wild mm-hmm. stuff but it is it, it all creates this very these very tangible skills that you can then bring to the events that you do now
1: you're absolutely right like I I, I honestly I don't I don't usually think of that but I think you're right I think the background experience that you have in one area obviously informs your perspective and makes you a more well rounded or more um, experienced person in in the other world, which, which is corporate in in this case. Um, And I think that's true probably for all your listeners, right? There's a lot of people who move around and they might, they might've been on the hotel side, right. Or now they're in production, right. Or, or they used to work um, in, in events, in event planning. And now they work for one speaker individually. So they know what to look for, what questions to ask, or they know, you know, how they know, Oh, we're going to need more time for rehearsal because, when I was on the event side, we always used to run out of rehearsal time in these types of situations. So, yeah, I think a lot of it is just about bringing your past experience to the table in, in what you're doing now. That's um, That's a great point.
0: Well, I'm I'm partial to that discussion just because it's something I think you you reach a certain point in your career, you know, like 20, 25 years and you have all those different experiences under your uh, under your belt from the very, very beginning of things that seem like, you know, grunt work or, you know, you walk in the strip for 12 hours a day. But then you realize you're like, gosh, if I didn't have that then I wouldn't know X, Y, and Z that I can bring to my clients today. So I think I'm at that point in my career. I have had that variety of experience and it has totally helped me to then create this like bigger picture of how, what I can bring to the table. So, I mean, you're obviously in the same boat.
1: Absolutely. And as a producer, it's funny, I get on site now and sometimes everything is handled most of the time, I'd say everything, everything's really well taken care of, right? Production company's great. They're working in, everyone's working together as a team and things are firing and everyone's doing a great job, right? That That's the ideal. And that's, that's usually the case, but often do you do it long enough? You run into a difficult client or an experienced person, or you kind of realize, wait, nobody's really in charge here. Like <laughs> everyone, ha- there's all these silos, Right. Mm-hmm. There's all these silos like they the events. People are like really good and they know what they're doing and the production people. But like who's actually kind of calling the show, for example, like who is directing, who's the person at the top who is literally queuing the video and then making sure I'm ready to go on stage and making sure, oh, well, this speaker finished six minutes early. So, Jeff, you need to fill this right. The, the big events, the great events, they have all of those things handled. But oftentimes you get in a situation where you realize, OK, I kind of have to fill in here I'm like the producer almost or I'm 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 the show caller like I'm a I'm a showrunner because otherwise it's not going to happen and I don't want that to fall through and impact my client's event so I have to kind of step up and I I can feel myself going into producer mode where I will tell the, you know the gentleman behind the board you know Hey, he, he's rapping early, you know, be ready with the lights. I'm going to go to the center stage, you know, my channel's open. So I'm, it's on me. I'm flicking this open and I'm going to throw to that video. It's the second one da, 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 right. Just to make sure everything is set because I've been in so many situations where you just kind of get a sense. You're like looking around, you're like, mm, this guy's kind of checked out or he's not really engaged <laughs> or, or this lady like got too much else going on. And I don't think she's like remembered that you know the hotel staff person has to dim the lights and they have to be ready on the other side of the room uh to dim the lights at this moment for the video because you know they're understaffed at the at the production side or something like that right so you really have to have a sense of everything that's happening at the event and i never i never step on toes i never do that if i'm not asked to or if i don't feel like it's needed, right, but right. having that ability to be able to read the room, not just read the audience, but also read the room from the event side and the client and the production and all of that. And to say, you know what, I kind of have to be, you know, host slash producer on this one or host slash event planner, just to kind of make sure that all the uh, I's are dotted and the, and the T's are crossed here.
0: Right. Well, you know, this brings me back to conversations that I've had and heard with event teams um, in general, just, you know, they're talking about the virtual events now that really need to be handled like a full-blown production i mean it's <laughs> we cannot just be sitting on zoom and like talking into the camera like the the very very successful virtual events are have a full-blown production company for all the reasons that you just noted but i mean you're also talking about and from the live event perspective as well in person you know, you've clearly been in positions before or in person you've had to do that so it's it's just a different way to think about it And so for the event planners that are listening, I I love the perspective that you bring from this entertainment world and the production world and how you can then tie that in to the corporate events that you work at now.
1: Absolutely. And I do think you bring up a great point with virtual because as an MC, I am often not competing against other MCs. I'm competing against the idea of whether or not we need a professional MC at all. Right? It's like a lot of times, oh, we're doing an event, there's three keynote speaker spots and we just have to select one on customer service, one on you know diversity inclusion and one on accountability. And they're literally just like looking to pick the best one within that bucket. Mm-hmm. They're not even thinking, and we need to pick a professional MC. But if presented in the right way about how all the value that, that can be added or the advantages, they might say, Oh, wow. Okay. I never thought about that. You know what? We said, we wanted to do something different this year. We said we want to switch it up. We said we want to be disruptive or how I make our meeting more fun or whatever the reason might be. Let's add on an MC, right? It's, it's more against you're competing against the market, right? To so just all the other event elements and distractions. But what's interesting is virtual. I feel like heightened the role of the MC because it wiped the slate clean. Because now at the beginning of the pandemic, especially everyone was kind of a little scared, nervous of virtual. And so again, we just talked about the idea of being more than a host, being the host slash producer slash event planner, right? They now have something built in that says, ooh, this is new and a little scary. We need to hire somebody that can tie it all together. And back to the point about people working in silos, I mean, virtual events, everybody is literally in, in the <laughs> silo, they're in their own rooms, right? Yeah, absolutely. They're all spread out. So you really need someone to bring it together, to tie it together, to weave in those themes, to make it feel like a more, um, more community-based engagement that we're all having a shared experience at this corporate meeting or at this event. So I will say it's actually been pretty good for me business-wise in the last two years, because now people think, oh, we do need an MC. We do need someone to tie it together because everything is so disparate, so spread out. And that's the one person that can, that can help bring it together. Now, if you can also help out with the production side, like I bring my own studio to an event, they, event planners, meeting planners, they love that because now you're saying okay he's he's like one contract one contact like he's handling the studio and production side and going to elevate our event because it's going to look and feel much much bigger and better than it really is it's not just everybody sitting in their desks at home this guy's coming to us from a major studio in las vegas so again when i look back at the the whole like trajectory of covid and what it has done to events i think now moving forward people really see the value of a professional mc and i think that happened largely in part because covid really forced the issue and heightened the the issue of being able to bring people together and that's stuck through right so now even beyond virtual events when i go to live events that are streamed or or true hybrid events now People are saying, "Oh yeah, we we should hire an MC. That went that worked really well with our virtual event. That that person, you know, he or she was able to bring people together. And so I think again, the value is is there, and people see it now a little easier than they did pre pandemic.
0: Oh, for sure. And I'm so glad then that you brought up hybrid because I mean that is like a whole different. Ball game than just the virtual because now not only are you trying to bring an audience together just in front of a co- their computer screen, but now you're trying to do that with the live audience and the virtual audience, which is like a whole different layer of complication.
1: Oh yeah, it's it's brutal. I mean, it's it's so <laughs> much more work. Event planning, meeting planning, like it was already such a hard job. I have the utmost respect for all meeting professionals because I I, I do get in there early as part of the process. But when I say early, it's usually a couple months before the event, right? right if right. they bring me in early enough, which I like. I mean, I know meeting professionals who work working on events years out, right? Like right. literally going on site visits and talking to people and developing themes and concepts and all that. And it's, it's such a hard job, the whole process from start to creation, to execution, to follow through and wrap up and all that. So yeah, hat, hats off. Like I- I feel like at the end of a three-day event that I've been there hosting, and maybe a couple rehearsals and a a few zooms along the way, a couple months, I'm like, whoo, Like, "Wow!" Like, it feels (laughs) so good to be finished. Client's happy. Like, that was a lot of work, and I know, you know, I was doing, you know, ten percent compared to to the planners. So, yeah, really incredible. Exactly. I mean, hybrid is like double the work, right? To do it right. And I think that's, that's an important point to bring up, right? Because I've been at some events where they say, yo, that's our, welcome to our hybrid, the first ever hybrid event. And it's like, it's not really a hybrid event. It's kind of like the live event is happening and there's a camera in the back that's just streaming it for anybody who wants to like watch it on, you know, Vimeo or, or whatever. Right. And that's, that's very different than a true hybrid event where there's actual breakouts and sessions planned for the virtual attendees. And while the in-person attendees are having lunch on the terrace, the virtual attendees are also having a lunch and there's a panel discussion for them, right? Breakout rooms for them, networking of social activities for for them. And then they kind of overlap and come together for maybe some of the the keynote speakers or a message from the CEO or or whatever. Those are a, a ton of work because you're really planning like three conferences, you're planning an in-person conference, a virtual conference, and then the overlapping times with technology can, can present challenges as well.
0: Exactly. So then the role like yours as an MC, a host, you know, you're, you have the ability to bring all of that together alongside the meeting professional and to, you know, just kind of help create that community, which is essentially why people go to events in the first place, I think, you know, for yes, for education, but let's face it, you know, we also, it's just it helps to feel like you're part of a community, everyone wants that networking. So it's just a huge challenge to try to bring all of that together. Um, and it, it'll be really yeah, exciting yeah. to see how that all moves forward in the future. And I, I love the elevation of the MC role, um, for many reasons. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, you make so many good points.
1: Thanks. I mean, honestly, I've been so impressed with even in the short span of, since hybrid events really started happening in the last few months uh, about how fast they've already developed and integrated tech wise. I mean, I can't even imagine what's going to be happening in a few years. Like, I mean, uh, hologram speakers or like, yeah, you know, AR, AR breakout rooms. Yeah, people like you're, you know, having an avatar and being physically being able to like sit at a, at a table with other people virtually from around the world that's that's impressive and and that's a really good way back to the point about bringing community bringing people together that you can really do a good job of that if you plan for it and prepare for it and create engagement pieces that work in both audiences uh, and and execute it obviously on the tech side um, seamlessly it's it's pretty impressive what
0: what's happening. Oh, I mean, the future is now, <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, it's, 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 wild. it's wild to think about, you know, the the movies that we used to watch when you'd see somebody on camera and it's like, wow, they're doing a video call. That's so yeah. crazy. And now <laughs> it's like, <laughs> that is happening. And we're in you know, the meeting professionals, their jobs, like you said, they're so much bigger, but the potential is mm-hmm. so great to make an impact, uh, you know, on, on your community and, and on the world as a whole. So, I do want to let you talk about, speaking of making an impact, your philanthropy work. So could you tell us a little bit about your organization?
1: Absolutely. I I never need much of a nudge to talk about my nonprofit (laughs) because I absolutely love it. It brings me so much joy and fulfillment. Uh, So my nonprofit is called Win-Win Entertainment, and we exist to bring smiles to kids in hospitals. And we do that by arranging in-person and virtual visits from professional entertainers, athletes, and celebrities. So we are celebrating our 10 year anniversary next year in 2022. So we've been at this a while now. So uh, operated exclusively in Las Vegas for the first five, six years. Um, Now we're in 15 plus cities. We have 17 hospital programs everywhere from Las Vegas, Orlando, Nashville, Minneapolis, Phoenix, I could go on and on. And it's it's really been a, a delight, especially during COVID because hospitals couldn't have visitors. Think about kids in hospitals who are sick, can't even get you know visitors from their parents uh, or you know friends or teachers or anyone. It's it's really sad. Right. Um, yeah, but but uh, our our performer community has stepped up in a big way, and we have arranged hundreds of of shows, literally in the past year, at all these hospitals virtually, and uh, pretty special. We've got you know jugglers, magicians, musicians, comedians, ventriloquists, acrobats, every, everybody's getting involved. And uh, just it brings brings me a lot of joy um, personally because as an entertainer, as a speaker, a host, personality, you spend most of your day promoting yourself. It's like hire me, you know, what I can do for your event, and here's a promotional video, and I'm posting on my Instagram story, and I'm posting on LinkedIn, and right like. You know, and, and this has nothing to do with me. This is so much bigger than any one individual. And it feels really good to be working on something that has that much scale and reach and impact and ability to affect people and, and brighten people's lives and, and change lives. So I'm always trying to get more performers involved. Um, I'm always trying to get more hospitals signed up. We do a, a, a weekly show called Win Win Live that we broadcast out from our Zoom and any children's hospital can join. And it's uh, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific. And it's just so wonderful when you, we have some of these performers on and, and you'll see there's 10, 12, 15 hospitals watching and they're beaming the program into all their rooms and into the, the playrooms and the you know break rooms so that not just patients, not just the kids, but also we're bringing joy to the parents, to the staff, up to everyone, administrators of the hospital. Anyway, it's just been it's just been really lovely, and um, I started performing by doing charity shows. So the first show I ever did, I you know I talked about my first real job as right. a street performer at 15. But before that, uh, I was doing charity shows in high school, freshman year, 14 years old. Uh, we were asked to do a service project, and the project was to do something that takes you outside of your comfort zone and write a reflection on it.
0: Ooh. So.
1: Yeah. So I remember the counselor, we were having a little chat and, you know, most, most kids were going to soup kitchens or, um, you know, senior care facilities to to volunteer or read or, you know, play board games with folks. And I thought, well, I know how to perform kind of, I'm doing little shows in my kitchen and uh, there's a special needs school in the area. And uh, my dad, who's a dentist, used to service them and give them dental care and, and everything. And I said, oh, why don't I do a show for the special needs school? That'd be kind of fun. That'd be different. It, and that's definitely something way out of my comfort zone. Um, and uh, it, that show changed my life. So I, I uh, kept performing there. And then I started performing at other charities and just kind of grew and spiraled from from there and um, never stopped performing and never stopped doing the charity shows and then kind of turned professional at a certain point, And. Um, it's always been a it's always been a big part of my story, of my narrative, and kind of how I how I got into this. Um, it's not like I, you know, got the show in Vegas and thought like, oh, I'll I'll start, you know, I'll, I'll partner with a hospital, or I'll start doing shows at at this facility. It really that came first.
0: Yeah. I was a charity
1: performer before I was a professional performer. So
0: that's so great that it's been woven into your whole story like that, and that you continue to. To have it be such a big part of your life so it's just another way that you you bring this very unique perspective to the table i mean there's just there's a lot to you but quite a history it's very interesting so i really enjoy it i i, I wish i could keep talking to you for <laughs> for hours because there's there's so much there but i i want to give you a chance also to tell the audience how they can find you and, and how they can hire you and how they can learn more about you
1: Awesome. Well, I, I certainly appreciate the opportunity to, to chat. I could, I could go on and on here. Yeah. I love talking about this stuff. Um, yes. I really do love doing corporate shows, by the way. I really do enjoy it. I love learning about the different organizations, about the different industries. I love especially hosting because I get to study. I'm a nerd at heart. Um, big, <laughs> big nerd over here. And I mean, come on, you just look, look back at my juggling, you know, I was doing juggling shows, you know, in high school
0: uh, <laughs> I think it's paid off.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it ended up being a, a good move. But, uh, um, you know, so anyway. All right, I digress. Um, I'm <laughs> at Jeff Civilico. Uh, that's uh, J-E-F-F-C-I-V-I-L-L-I-C-O. And we are at Win Win Charity if you'd like to find out more about Win Win Entertainment.
0: Excellent. Thank you. And there's one final question, and I did not prep you for this. So, <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> but I might show now. Yeah, yep. On my show, uh, I give all my guests a chance to issue a compliment or a complaint. And when I say that, I mean any topic you want at all. So I didn't prep you because I thought you could handle being off the cuff because that's kind of what you do. (laughs) Yeah, see that? But so, you know, about about anything, it doesn't have to be about about the events industry or just life in general.
1: I got one. I mean, I I hope this isn't too cheesy, but I, I, this is how I feel. I'd like to issue a compliment to the events industry for everything they've been through over the past 18 months, because I think they've been extremely resilient. When I, again, I said earlier, I have the utmost respect for event professionals. It's true. I mean, I cannot imagine do going virtual. Like when I went virtual, you know, it took a little bit of work, but I was like, okay, how do I apply my show and this and that? I wasn't dealing with the infrastructure of of, cre- of setting up and creating an event and dealing with registrations and all the customer service issues, and like, I don't, I don't have the latest version of Zoom, or like I don't miss the <laughs> link, or like, you know, I don't know how to, you know, where's my web? Where's my camera? And you know, all the all the like details that they have to worry about let alone then making it a great experience creatively with great content uh it's been a it's been so tough so yeah my compliment is just like it's insane how resilient the events industry is and when i look now i just did an event for signature travel network at the Venetian during IMAX. And it was like, I mean, the the numbers are insane for 2022, which is fantastic. Like, things are coming back stronger than ever, right, with travel and with meetings and with events. And now we have the virtual option and the hybrid option to expand reach and impact. So events are just going to be bigger, better, more unique, more memorable, more impactful. And I think that's pretty incredible. So yeah, my my hat goes off to to everyone that's had to deal with moving to virtual because they probably didn't want to, just like I didn't want to initially. Um, but they they most likely embraced it and um, did the best they could with it to kind of get through this period. And uh, my guess is that most of the time it went better than we all could have expected or hoped for. And now we're coming out on the other side stronger, um, with with more options to to surprise and delight and, and please our clients and uh, and reach more people, so.
0: That is the perfect way to put it, resilient and creative, because it's just, like everything you said, we just the, the options that exist now on the other side of all of this, where first it was like, what do we do? Is it all going away? And then it's like, actually, it's not going away. It is now bigger and better than ever. So, I mean, Absolutely. I just have nothing but excitement for what's to come, so.
1: Amen. So. Yeah, I, I love it. Way. It's an exciting time for our industry
0: it is for sure again thank you so much for being here and on the show i mean i think just what you bring to the table with the knowledge that you have of your full background from entertainment to moving into corporate and and the fact that you do have this extensive knowledge of how to make a virtual production or live production and tie that all in with hybrid i mean it's a lot of value so thank you so much for being here to talk about it today
1: thank you for having me jen anytime